And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. I cannot wait for you to hear the conversation today that I had with Andrea Stevens. She is going to talk to us about why so many people, especially women, feel like their life life has been letting them down, why they feel invisible and kind of stuck, and how do we figure out which thoughts are holding us back from living our best life. And she goes on a journey where she understands that each person is born complete and enough, and nothing else is going to make us more or less complete. And I love her her understanding of that and what she can share with us about it. And also, she's going to share with us her pivot process that I think you'll really be able to use and apply. So take a listen. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Andrea Stevens. She's an author, speaker, and a breakthrough coach. Welcome, Andrea. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So you have had an interesting um, journey to starting to do this or doing the work you're doing with your clients. Can you tell us kind of how, you, you know, what's your backstory and how did you get to jump into this type of work? Sure. So I grew up in a religious setting, a very strict religious organization, and uh, I married into that organization. And a few weeks after I was married, I realized this might not actually be the life I want. So I felt stuck. I kind of felt trapped. And I just decided that this was going to be the life for me. You know, this is just uh, what life handed me. And so there was nothing I could do. And I heard a quote by someone one time that said, I don't remember who it was, but someone said, soul does not negotiate. And that was very much the case with me. No matter how much I tried to uh, cap it and just say, this is just the life I have, my soul was not willing (laughs) to uh, be that person. So in that process for about eight years, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, I had four kids and I was trying to keep myself busy. So I'd started an e-commerce business where I was making and selling jewelry on Etsy. And I found in that process that I absolutely loved working. I enjoyed kind of being outside. I was I was working from home, so I was technically a stay-at-home mom, but I was still working. And what I found was that the uh, I was decently good at business, and so that it took off. And I found myself working eight to ten hour days, and the kids that I was supposed to be home with were in my way. I and I had turned into this. You know, my husband was in my way, my kids were in my way, I was in my way, the business was in my way, and I just turned into this bitter, resentful, you know, ball of uh, thing, porcupine that I did not like seeing what I had become. And so, in my journey to trying to figure out what I was going to do next, and my husband at the time was kept, you know, the, for the whole entire process of about six years that I ran the business, was trying to get me to to stop the business he saw that it was, you know, interrupting our lives and that it was taking over. And so I went to a business conference to try to figure out what do I do? Where do I go? I have no idea. And it was there at the conference where uh, I just, I, I'm not sure if any, if you've heard of David Bayer, but he basically taught how your mind worked and the connection between your mind and brain. And it fascinated me And I have not stopped studying it since. And and I found that that was my passion. That's my area of expertise. And now I have become since then a behavior pattern specialist who helps women kind of see what's going on under the surface. Wow. So my first question that popped up is, so from the time you went to that conference and you were actually making jewelry and selling it online, what did that process look like from there until you were then a behavioral pattern specialist and then helping women do similar to you, right? Like find their, like find purpose and get more fulfilled. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I didn't realize that it was a business conference. I was just going because I didn't know what the next step was. And I heard that, you know, after you read all the books and after you take a few courses and you still don't know what you're doing, you start going to conferences. And so this was the very first conference that I went to. And I didn't realize that I was going to be pitched to and sold to, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just didn't know that was the process of those type of things. Uh And it spoke directly to me. And so I'd actually bought a one-year 
program or package, whatever you call it, to have help and, and coaching in my business. And about three weeks into that, I realized that jewelry was not what I wanted to do. It was not my passion. It didn't line up with uh, my spiritual vision. It didn't line up with my life vision. And so I had to figure out uh, what do I want to do? Do I pivot? Do I stop? Like, I have no idea at this point. I had never heard of life coaching before, didn't know it existed. And when I looked into that and I started studying life coaching, uh, that's where I went to go get my certification. And I absolutely just fell in love with it. Um, so I do still have the jewelry on the side just to fund the life coaching and, you know, fund the, this new business getting started. But yeah, I found, and I didn't realize that, uh, you know, the, the jewelry was not actually a mistake. It was a, it was a leading up to this because I did find that, you know, any type of business you're in, you need to know who your, who your ideal buyer is and, you know, who you're even selling to and why they're buying. And in that process, I realized that I had loved, I fell in love with, uh, consumer psychology. So I had already kind of dabbled in psychology for several years before I actually got into behavioral psychology, but it just was the segue into that. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with studying psychology and studying how humans work. And so even though I had gone to the business conference for the jewelry, I ended up walking away, uh, starting a new business. (laughs) So That's, that's great. So what were some of the Limiting, limiting beliefs that you both had to kind of get past in that you've, you're finding as you're working with these new uh, clients? Yeah, 100%. So I'll just share that with a story. We were at the conference, you know, there and my husband had gone with me only because our relationship was, I mean, it's really had always suffered. We never really had a good relationship. We just kind of realized a few weeks after we were married, like, I think we should not have done this, but now what do we do? <laughs> like, I guess we just have kids. I don't know. Um, right. So we were really struggling on the outside. It looked okay. We had an, a decent house, nice cars, you know, we were cordial to it to one another, but behind closed doors, it was an absolute mess. I mean, you know, he never knew when I was going to turn into a raging lunatic and, you know, I, you know, it was, it was just, a, it was an absolute mess. And uh, when you brought, when we brought kids into that, it made it even worse. And I can remember times where my, my oldest, he, he would stand between us when he was like four or five years old and he'd put his hands up to either one of us and he'd be like, mom, dad, stop fighting. I just remember thinking like this, this cannot be, <laughs> yeah. How it's supposed to be like there's got to be a better way than this I just did not know where to turn I didn't know what to do I didn't know who to tell yeah. none of that stuff so I just kept it all inside of me and it and and it really ended up bubbling over in places I didn't want it to bubble over at like the grocery right. store or on friends where I, you know you do things you don't really want to do or say things that you yeah. don't pop out so we were at this conference and my husband had come with me because he thought maybe he would get lucky. And if hey we have somebody watching the kids I'm away with my wife and I had tried to tell him I'm, I'm not interested in that anymore. Like we're roommates, we're just partners because I don't know what else to do. And I don't want to be a, a single mom because I'm busy. Yeah. And um, so thankfully he was down there with me, but we, we had an invitation to have a consultation with one of the salespeople who were there for the, the, the guy who was in charge. And I, again, I didn't know it was a consultation. They just said, you know, we have a 15 minute consultation for if you want to look at your business. And I was like, yes, me, please. I need help. I don't know what to do. So we went out there and I'm listening to her talk. I'll back up just a second. We were at a breakfast earlier that morning where we were pitched again by a different company and the the package was like $2,000. And I looked at my husband and I was like, I really need this. Please, please, please. Can I have this? And he was like, no, absolutely not. We do not have money. You've already spent enough. We don't have $2,000 extra to spend. And I said it him. So we move on from there. We go to this business consultation and what she's describing is exactly what I needed. I'm like, "This this is the time. It's what I need. And, you know, she's telling us how long it is. And I'm thinking in my head, like, this is going to be like five or $6,000. There's no way in the world I'm going to be able to convince my husband uh, to do this. I don't know how to sneak around behind his back. And my wheels were turning, like, how do I sneak this in? What do I do? And she turned, long story short, she turns his paper over and I see $30,000 for the program. And I said, yeah, sure. And my husband just looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. Like, what are you, we do not have $30,000 woman speaking. And, um, and, and I just stared at the woman in the face and I said, yes, I know this is what I need. I'm going to do it. So we go back in and sit down and he said, don't you dare purchase that program. That's our money to buy our house because we were renting at the time. And, um, I just, And I don't suggest everybody do this. This is just my story, right? But I took the credit card and I went to the back and I put down my my $1,000 down payment 
because I just had a knowingness inside of myself that this was it. Like this was the time it was right here right now, or I would potentially end up staying in that life that I hated. And internally I was thinking, I know this is going to benefit my husband in the long run (laughs) because I will become a better person. Yeah. It was that, it was in that instance right there where I had made a choice for myself without asking someone else's permission without trying to figure out how it was going to happen, but just, just taking action and knowing and having faith that it was going to work out. That's what changed for me. Wow. I, it just gave me chills really. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You were tired, not tired. I shouldn't say, but you were kind of like, look, I have to do this for me. I know it seems like a crazy amount of money, right? right. It would just like the number and not about like what you get and anything. Yeah. But like you said, you knew this has, I have to change. I have to change me and I want to move in this direction. So, wow. So from there, like, so was that a year long program that you were doing? It was, it was a year long program and, and yeah, it was, I could go into that. I mean, it was the absolute best choice I could have ever possibly made for myself. And I feel like it's only when you step outside of your fear and your comfort zone, that's where the real growth happens. And then Fast forward. So you, you went through this program. You obviously had tons of learning and oh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure aha moments and things like that. Yes. But so when you came out on the other side, like, is that when you started stepping into your business and starting to get clients or you want to tell us about that? And then um, what process have you found that's working with your clients and how you can kind of help them that maybe, maybe they get to the point you're at, or maybe they don't have to even get to that point because you're like, hold on, I can help you put <laughs> strategies in place. A hundred percent. Yeah. So to be completely honest, and this always surprises people, I went through that entire program and did not get a single paying client. Yep. Mm -hmm. I I strived and strived and strived. And what I realized looking back, I mean, it was very difficult. I can't tell you the amount of times that I was curled up on my bed in a fetal position, bawling my eyebrows, all the eyebrows out thinking, what the heck did I do? Like I destroyed my family. I destroyed me. Like there's no recovering from this. And even in that process, I had to get uh, certified for life coaching that cost, you know, more. And then I had to, I had to set up the business end. I had to, you know, there was constantly costs that were just like thrown at me. And it was, it was another level that I had never experienced before. But in the process, I held on to the faith of that knowingness that was inside of me. And I really feel like I had to go through that for my clients, for my future clients, <laughs> you know, the ones that now have gone through my program, the ones that are in there now, and even future clients, even for my books, like it, it just created a new level of awareness and a new level of faith for myself and confidence that not just keeping, keeping pushing through, but I had to face what I call fire. Um, and that's an acronym for fear, intensity, rawness, and exposure. I mean, it was, it hurt. And I, I tell people all the time who want to work with me, you have to be willing to walk through fire. If you're not willing to do that, it's not going to, you're not going to change. And not everybody is ready for that. And it's like, you know, in your soul, when you're ready to walk through that fire. <laughs> and, um, you know, what I specifically do is neurotransformational coaching, where we actually, you know, do the rewiring in your brain. And we touch all of those pain points that you have been just throwing dirt on all this time, you know, and it is, it's, it's, it's not, you, you can't run away from it anymore. You turn around and you face it and you have to walk through that fire. But I lost my, the original question because I kind of went down. No, a bit. Well, no, you actually did start answering it. It was okay. kind of like, how are you working with your clients? Like, how are you taking what you learned? And then, you know, the knowledge you gained and working with your clients. And so fire, obviously fire is part of it. And then I right. think it's the process you, and you started kind of alluding to that, the process you take them through and what you're yeah. starting to unearth. So do you want to just walk us through a little bit more of that? I don't know if that's the pivot process or. Yeah, a hundred percent. That is, that is correct. Yeah. It's the, it's what I call a five-step pivot process and pivot is also an acronym. Uh, so it's a, it's a 16 week course that we go through. I, I don't even like to call it a course. It's a 16 week process that we go through. Uh, very personalized, very intentional. And for the first six weeks, that's the P in pivot is for perspective. So we look at your limiting, we look at where you're at, why you're there, where you want to be, and all the limiting beliefs that come up and how to actually change them. I think a lot of us are aware that we have limiting beliefs and more and more and more books we read and courses we buy and conferences we attend 
actually just makes us feel worse about ourselves because we're aware of these issues that we have, but we don't fully know what to do with it. We know cute little phrases like what you focus on is what you get and, you know, be beautiful and, you know, all those cute little things, but we're not actually uh, moving, like actually changing them. So we look at the perspective that you're operating in and, and looking at how you view the world. Like what is your specific personal perspective? What, what lens are you viewing the world through? It could be things like I can never catch a break or money is hard to make or, you know, relationships never work out for me. And those are generic ones. Most of the time, they're, they're much more personalized than that. Those are just generic ones that we kind of start with, you know, things like I'm not good enough. And what does that even mean? And, you know, so really dig into that for six to eight weeks, depending on how long it takes. And then we move into the I and pivot, which is for intelligence, because when you're suffering, when you're kind of looking through a, a very small, tiny little lens, <laughs> You're not open to the intelligence. You're not open to inspiration, creativity, uh, ideas, intuition. You're closed. You're actually closed off from that. Your body closes down from that because it's trying to keep you. It's just trying to help you survive, right? It's keeping you from uh, moving into fear and moving into you know the anxiety and all of those kind of things that are going to come along with that. So once we clear the lens and look through a different lens of uh, of how you view the world, we move into that intelligence. And so now you have all these create, you know, creative ideas, you have intuition, you have inspiration, and we move into the V and pivot, which is visualization. And I think a lot of people get this confused. They actually visualize and they try to figure out what they want before they take care of their perspective. Because if what you want and what you believe about yourself or about life is not in alignment, no amount of willpower is ever going to align those. You have to have your beliefs and what you want must be in alignment or you will not get what you're going for. You'll just get more and more and more frustrated and even feel worse about yourself. And I always tell people a lot, a lot of times in this work, we hear people say things like, you know, just, you got to lie to your brain. You got to, you know, you have to look in the mirror and tell yourself you're beautiful. I'm like, no, that's actually what I found is that actually makes it worse. When you look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful, but you don't actually believe that your brain kicks in and says, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not. And here's all the reasons right? It's all subconscious. Yes. And so you actually reinforce the belief that you're ugly and that you're not worth it and that you're not enough and that you're not beautiful. And you're like, why is this not working? I'm telling myself I'm beautiful. I know your brain does what is most convenient and what is most efficient. And it says, no, you're not sorry. (laughs) And so anyway, so once we get to the beat, then, you know, once we do the perspective, when we're open to intelligence, and then you can start visualizing what you actually want for your life. What is your life vision? What do you want? Why do you want it with your parenting, with your career, with your finances, with your health? You look at all of those, those things, and then we can align them up with, with the beliefs now that you know how to change a belief. And then the O in pivot is opportunity. So now once you know what you want, you're aware of all the opportunities that are around you. And I often say that when you're drowning in the ocean, you don't see the palm trees swaying in the breeze, right? (laughs) You don't care. It's not that they're not there. It's just that you are focused on surviving. You don't care if there's palm trees. You just want to breathe. And so once you get out and you're kind of, you know, sitting on the sand, you can enjoy the palm trees. You can see all the different things that are going on around you and you can take any opportunity that you have. I had a situation um, and just as an example of what I mean, but I had a situation recently where I was, I had an opportunity to talk to someone who is a multimillionaire and I missed that opportunity and I was beating myself up for it. <laughs> and just having an understanding of this work, I said, okay, there, there's a hundred other opportunities that I have to talk to multimillionaires. Right. And it was the, it was the fact that I was even in a position where I was able, even though I missed the opportunity, I was there, I was able to actually talk to this person. And like, how many times are, do we miss opportunities just because we're drowning? and stress and responsibility and, you know, life in general, like all of those types of things. So once you kind of get firm, your feet firm on the ground, you, you are aware of opportunities and they're boundless. They're, they're unlimited. You have millions of opportunities around you every single day and life literally becomes miraculous at that point in time. And, uh, and then the T and pivot is for transformation. So once you go through all of those, you do experience a transformation on the other side. Yeah, no, that's great. I love how you explain that and it makes the process, you know, seem so much clearer, but I think you're so right. And I've, I've heard or seen this multiple times where, like you said, if you don't, if you still have those limiting beliefs, even if you're trying to tell yourself, no, I wrote the ones that I'm, that I'm going to be, but if you really have the, 
you know, I know you're, you're saying transformation comes at the end, but I guess there's a little transformation throughout yeah. until you really have that transformation where you believe that about yourself and about where you're going. Like you said, you're not going to then experience the, uh, you can't envision, right. You can't have the, um, that perspective about yourself. You can't visualize 100%. what you want if you're, if you're not there yet. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's important. You brought that up because I think a lot of people do get stuck in not understanding that. You have to do the work. You have to put in the work to really change your mindset before you can be visualizing this different future for yourself. A hundred percent. And I, and I think to add to that, you have to understand the work and it's, it's very simple, but a lot of people, they, they try to make it harder than it actually is because it feels like it should be hard because we kind of live through this lens that life is hard and everything needs to be hard. And being a woman is hard and being a mom is hard and being a parent is hard. And like, it's, it's actually not. So we, we actually make it harder than it really is, but you're a hundred percent correct. It's the understanding how to do that. And what the process is. And then it's pretty simple once you get the basics down. Yeah. So let's talk about what you just said, actually, about a lot of people in a, and our culture encourages this. Yes. We, they are always glamorizing busy. They're glamorizing stress. They're glamorizing like that. Hustle. So much <laughs> of their life is like, oh, I'm frazzled and my kids are driving me crazy or my spouse or my work. So how do we start stepping away from that. If that's a pattern we're experiencing, you know, because some people, they don't, it doesn't come as easy to them to be positive and to catch themselves. So do you have any little tips where we start shifting those, that behavior and those thoughts? A hundred percent. That is such an amazing question. Thank you for that. And it's kind of, I'm going to start with one part and then go into another place, but I uh, despise the word positive. Actually, I really encourage people I work with to not be positive because positivity is a bandaid. It's like trying to put a bandaid on a, on a, on a gashed open leg. You can't do that. Like you can cover it up for a while, but eventually you're going to have to get to the root of what is going on. Positivity does not do anything for us. It's a false hope. It's a false hope. It fixes it. It's a quick fix for the moment. Mm -hmm. The stress is still there. The hopelessness is still there. The anxiety, the sadness, all of that is still there. And so I'm going to answer a question on how to actually address that then if we're not addressing it with positivity. And if you do like to use the word positive, I encourage people to start exchanging that with powerful because it just puts you in a different place and it puts you in a long-term vision rather than a short-term quick fix. So if you can start saying like, I'm trying to be positive, change that to say, I'm trying to be powerful. And you'll actually start thinking differently Mm -hmm. about a certain situation, but it's our language. The way to to, to uh, fix that without you know having personal help or you know investing in a coach or something like that is to notice your language. So how many times do we say things throughout the day like this traffic is driving me insane, right? And your brain is it's like a search engine. If you I always say if you like type a document into or, or type into a word document and you say like I'm going to kill somebody today. When you go to print, it doesn't say like, no, I don't think you should be killing somebody. This doesn't feel safe, right? It just prints it out. It has no, it's neutral. It's not positive or negative. And our brains are actually the very same way. But uh, contrary to what a lot of people believe, our brains do not know the difference between positive and negative. Our brains are a hundred percent neutral. There's a period after everything. And so it doesn't know the difference. So if you say this traffic is driving me insane, that is what you are telling your brain to focus on. And you notice insanity. Right. If you say, Mike, the kids are driving me up the wall, you will notice places where you're driving, where, where you're being driven up the wall. I hear a lot of moms, especially, say things like, Oh, my child's in the terrible twos. And do we really want our child to be in the terrible twos? Right. But that you're, like you said, it's a societal thing. So that's what we, that's just what we say. Yeah. But how, how often, like what percentage of the time is that two year old terrible? Right. right? Exactly. Probably not a lot of the time. It might be five to 10% of the time are they actually terrible. You know, they're sleeping exactly 50% of the time they're doing, they're eating the other. And like, if you stop and look at it, what you're focusing, you don't even see what's going on in that kid's life because you're focused on the terrible too. Right. Just waiting for that to pass. So, you know, our minds should be our biggest cheerleader. We should not be saying things like, you know, this is never going to work out for me or why can't I ever catch a break? And so it's, it's in the languaging that you use to yourself. If, if people could understand just to focus on their language and I challenge anybody who's listening to focus on your language, just notice, you don't have to be upset at yourself. It's not a judgment. It's an awareness. Right. If you find yourself saying like, my husband drives me nuts. Like, what are we actually saying? Exactly. <laughs> so just, yeah, I would say just really pay attention to your languaging 
and, and focus and, 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 uh, I'm going to tell a story real quickly. I had a friend who grew up in Texas Mm -hmm. and he told me one time about a time that he was going rattlesnake hunting with his dad and how, you know, he had all the instructions on what to do if they found a rattlesnake and and I'll skip, you know, ahead a little bit. They go out, they're searching, searching and searching for this rattlesnake. And he was like, I was beginning to give up hope that I was, we were ever going to actually find a rattlesnake. And all of a sudden his dad holds his hand out and he's like, stop. And they look down and there's this rattlesnake snaring at rattlesnake staring at them. And he talks about how all he wanted to do was run away. And, and later on, I've thought about that in this work. And I'm like, how many of us are searching and searching for searching for something that we don't actually want? When we tell ourselves that we're ugly or we're not enough, you're searching for not being enough. And you actually create scenarios for yourself where you're actually not enough, right? You create scenarios where your kids drive you insane. You create scenarios where you can't actually catch a break. So if you can just refocus that languaging not lie to yourself, but just refocus the languaging on, okay, I caught myself saying that. What would I actually like to say? Even if I don't believe it, what would I like to believe if I could? Right. So yeah, just, just noticing the languaging. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think that's definitely true. And, you know, I definitely sometimes talk about, you know, that's for people, sometimes we don't even notice that we're speaking the way we are to ourselves right. and to other people, especially yeah. the loved ones. Or people close to us. And, you know, so I say sometimes, not that I journal all the time, I do not, but, you know, the whole like write down, like what was something about your day to day that triggered you or you feel irritated by or that you loved, whatever it is, but insert seeing is there patterns? Like, do you keep getting irritated about the same thing? Do you keep Mm -hmm. having because if you don't even know what's happening, right, you can't realize, like, gosh, every time I text my girlfriends, I'm complaining, right? Or, like you said about my spouse or my kids, instead of realizing like, hold on, that was only five minutes that somebody irritated me or whatever it was. So yeah, I think it's our language, but I think it's also that we have to be willing. And you actually mentioned this. We have to be willing to try to start being aware of it. And then I think, stop it. Like, oh gosh, hold on, replace it. Right. Oh, I think your microphone's muted. Oh, but then and replace the language you know, and like you said, what do we want more of? And, you know, it's sort of the, if you want more good, then you need to start looking for the good, right? And if you want more negativity or whatever you want to call it, uh, chaos, then stop focusing on the chaos, right? It doesn't mean we don't all have a bad minute or our kids didn't, you know, get crazy that day, but their kids, they're going to at some point. So to your point, it's like reframing our perspective, right? Is what what you're basically talking about. Yes, a hundred percent. And, and to add to that, yes, you like, this is what I find after talking to so many women, because I primarily work with women, but what I find is when we get to that point where we start talking about what we want, what I get is an, is a long list of what they don't want. Well, I don't want, you know, this, and I don't want my daughter to, to marry the wrong person. And I don't want, and, and, and I listen and I wait and I'm, and I, I ask them to like, notice what is it that you're focusing on? You know, we're not looking at what we don't want. We're looking at what we do want. And a lot of times we can't actually say like, I, they're like, oh, um, well, uh, we don't actually know what we want. And then they realize they're like, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm not going anywhere. No wonder I feel so stuck. I don't even know where I'm going. Right. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the changing of that language. Like you said, where you can actually realize, Hmm, this is not what I want to be focused on. And, and to add to your point with the journaling too, what I found has really, really helped my clients is something called a brain dump where uh-huh. you dump all of your thoughts on paper and then you just leave it. Like you don't look at it. You can come back, like you said, a month later where you're, where you're removed now from a certain situation. Yeah. And yeah. Where you, you write down things like, what's it all even for? And I don't even know what I'm doing. And, and then you can see your, your belief system written down on paper where you're like, oh my God. Like if I, if I'm focused on, I don't know what I'm doing or create scenarios for yourself where you don't know what you're doing, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's a good point. Uh, so when you, the example you just gave about uh, a lot of the women you work with, like they start telling you what they don't want, but they have a hard time articulating what they do want. Yes. So is there any recommendation for that? I mean, is it just keep doing the work, like trying to come up with those ideas or is there more to it? There is more to it and, and it's a, it's a deeper subject, but I would say the premise of that is the reason we don't know what we want is because we don't actually feel deserving of what we want. A lot of us get stuck in self sabotage, sabotaging behaviors where, you know, we'll, we'll feel guilty about something we've done in our past 
or, and we want pain. We want to actually, uh, uh, the word is escaping me, but we want to hurt ourselves for lack of a better word, because we feel we deserve that pain because of the guilt. And so there's usually a lot of behavior patterns like guilt, jealousy, comparison, self-hatred that we end up indulging in because we feel that that's what we actually deserve. And it's really, really painful. There's usually a point when I work with women where we, where they can't even speak, they just break down in tears because it's like, you, you have to face those things and you have to address them in order to move forward. You you, you come to a point where you stop running from it and you turn around and just, like I said, walk through that fire. (laughs) And it's usually that point where you walk through the fire and it's painful. It hurts. You know, people around you notice people start seeing you see the difference, you know, and, and it's really, really painful, but uh, yes, it's, it's generally what I find is almost everything boils down to I'm not enough and I don't deserve this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know, I know most everyone has those questions, but to your point, mm-hmm. we all might question it. The, the, I think the, the work we have to do is how do we question it and then acknowledge that we are enough, yes. you know, or good enough and then keep moving yes. forward. Right. And so it's yes. kind of do the work to get to that point. Yes, it, it, it does take work to get to the point. I usually don't talk about that because a lot of people do try to just be enough without doing the work and you cannot be enough without doing the work. You can't uh, switch your perspective and change what you believe. And, and uh, because if you're, if you're running away from not being enough to be enough, it's never going to work. You can't come at it from a place of lack. You have to come at it from a place of abundance. And yeah, that does take some work a hundred percent. And like we talked about earlier, you can't lie to your brain. You can't tell your brain, I'm enough. I accept if you don't actually accept and you don't feel like you're enough. Yeah. So let me ask you, I know you struggled with this, you know, being a mom and, yes. you know, for some of the years you stayed at home and you didn't have a side business and then you, or then you added the business. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women, I think we, we add, we start laying around those things, guilt or shame, like, oh, I, if I'm going to be a good mom, I have to focus on them. Or if you have a full-time job and kids, then you, there's guilt there because you're like, if I'm at work, I'm worrying about my kids. And when I'm with my kids, I'm so how do we understand or start to process that it's a, we should, and it's healthy to have multiple identities, right? I mean, multiple pieces to ourselves and that that's how, what makes us whole. So what can you share with us about that? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to phrase that a little bit differently. I don't think that there's necessarily multiple pieces to ourselves. I do think that's one perspective that you can come at it from, but, and I think that's what layers on the shame and the guilt. Mm-hmm. So the the perspective that I come at it from, and this was a process that I had to get to, uh, but the, the, the perspective that I come from is that I'm enough. I'm a hundred percent complete and whole as it is. There was never anything that I had to do to become enough. And, and I think so many of us spend our entire lives climbing and clawing and hustling and grinding to get to this place where once this happens, then I'll be enough. And, and you realize that that never is actually a destination. And, and the visual that I have is where, you know, we're kind of born on top of the mountain, if you will. And we're looking around the whole time trying to figure out, like, how do I get up? How do I get up? How do I get up? And it's like, you're, you, the reason you can't find it is because you're already on the top. And the pieces that you alluded to are just experiences of life. They're just experiences. There's no, again, there's no positive or negative. A lot of us like to put things on, is this right or is this wrong? This was a mistake. This was this. There's no labels. And we're in, because we live in a dualistic world, it's very easy to get caught up in the labels of right and wrong. And should I, or shouldn't I, or what about this? What about that? We wait till the ducks are all in a row. We wait till we have time. We wait till we have money. We wait till... You know, everything is is good to go, but it never is. And it's the experiences that make us, that make up the pieces of our life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And when I said identity, exactly. I was just talking more like we can be a mom and, right. And all these, like that we love to do writing or that we want to pursue something. So yeah, I was more talking about that, whether that's the right word or not, but um, it's that, that there's all these things we can love at the same time. And like you said, it's just part of us. Yes. But I think a lot of people, and you explained it very well, but instead of realizing like we are ourself, you know, and that that's yes. all we need, everything else. Yeah. I loved how you said that, that it's just experiences. And I think if more of us thought of it that way, we'd realize to your point, yeah. it's just the next experience. I'm adding it's it to my, yeah. experience. 
Am I going to lose my house and live under the bridge? Okay. It's an experience. It's fun. I would learn things there that I would never been able to live with my house, you know? And, and, uh, to add to that, there was something that, um, I lost my train of thought. So I'll let you keep going, but (laughs) I was going to add, no, I think, I think actually answer your question active to, to take life as, like you said, I'm me and no matter what I'm doing or who I'm with, I'm still me. And these are just experiences that are, you know, I'm walking through or that are around me that I get to add to my life, you know, like my whole life. But like you said, they don't have to be positive or negative because we can learn from all of it. And hopefully we're then starting to create more positive experiences, but or positivity out. uh, And I know you said you don't like that word, but I meant you're seeing it as a learning opportunity. You're seeing it as, you know, like, hey, maybe I needed to learn something. Maybe I need to step through something to get to this next experience. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and even while you were talking, when you said this is a more positive experience, when you exchange that word with powerful, does it not feel like you can kind of feel a shift? It feels a little bit different when it's a powerful experience. You're like, whoa, wow. Okay. We're not just, we're not just putting something on top of it. It actually is the power in the experience that brings you through, you know, whatever it is that you're actually experiencing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think you're right because I think for people, especially like you said, people that are walking through feelings or these, these layers of things, they're probably, the more you have going on of that, probably the harder it is for you to feel, to feel the word positive or joyful. But some of us, those, those feelings come more natural. Right. And so for someone like me, like to use that word, doesn't seem like a big deal, but I absolutely see what you're saying about reframing the, the content. And there is, there's power. There can be power in stress. There's not really positivity in stress, but there is power in stress. Yeah. There's power in the feelings that we're feeling, even if we don't experience them as a good feeling, there still can be power behind it. And, and I I had remembered what I was going to say a second ago, there's a a quote that from Einstein, where he says, the most important decision you can make in your life is whether you live in a friendly or a hostile universe. And that is something that I have, uh, you know, for a while it was in my head, but it moved down into my experience Mm -hmm. to actually live that belief. And when I tell people occasionally, uh, people will ask me, how do you deal with mom guilt? And I have eliminated mom guilt from my experience. I, I never, ever deal with mom guilt anymore. And I used to, I used to suffer in mom guilt where I thought yeah. I wasn't giving them enough time and I was spending too much time here. And then I had to, and then I would feel guilty and then I would feel guilty over here. And, and it was like yeah. a constant pulling. I spent so much energy in mom guilt. And when I realized that I live in a friendly universe and every single thing is working for my greatest good. Even when you can't see it in the moment. I mean, how many times have we felt like when, when you're, when you're going through something, have you experienced this where you're going through something and feel like it's the worst thing ever. And five years later, it, could, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Right. But in the moment, it's very hard to focus on that. It's hard to say like, this is actually a powerful thing that's happening to me. Uh, I've, put $70,000 into my business and haven't made a penny yet. There's no way that can be powerful, but I'm through that now. And I can see where I had to experience that. It was the intelligence working through me to get me to where I am, to be able to help the people that I I truly feel are my divine uh, assignment to help. You know, not, not that I'm better than them, but just they're in my path and, and I'm in their path and we help each other and we move on and we go help, you know, more people. And I had to go through that experience of literally taking our family to its beyond its last penny <laughs> and saying, but I still want to do this. I still feel like this is the way ahead. And just having to have that faith and it moved into a head knowledge to an actual experience. And because of that, I no longer deal with mom guilt. I know that whatever experience my kids are going through, it is creating their belief system and it is creating the resilience that they're going to need one day for whatever it is that they're going to do that this is setting them up for that. Now, not that I don't listen to them, not that they're not like, Hey mom, I need you to spend more time with me. You know, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother thing. And I've said, you know, we have become such a more forgiving family. And like we say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? A hundred percent times more than we used to when I would suffer in mom guilt. But now I'm like, it's just a quick, like, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Let's fix this. Let's do this here. Let's go here. And we just are constantly in an experience mode, not a fixing mode. Not a, you know, and and this is another thing I hear from people. A lot of times I work with a lot of single moms who are like, well, I come from a broken home. And I'm like, no, you come from a healing home. Listen to your language. Like I would ever say that you're in a broken home and that, you know, so yeah, anyway, I'm getting a 
going a lot of different places, but it's in the language and it's in the belief that you have that everything is working for your good, especially when it feels like it's not. Yeah. No, so many things are, I love, I do love that quote. And I think you're right. If more people could realize that, you know, it is a friendly place to live. Doesn't mean every moment's friendly, but overall, most of what's going on around, or we can all use, even if it's not friendly, we can use it for, for some good later on or learning. So I love that. I think that's, I think if more people realize that they're coming from a place of hostility, which they are, or uh, they're seeing the world as hostile, right? Like yeah. what's happening to them. And I will, I will add to that and say like, the reason we see the hostility is because we are a mirror of, of what we see. So if you're seeing through the lens of hostility, there is hostility inside of you. You have a self-hatred or a self-doubt or something right. about yourself that you don't like. And so you're projecting that out into like, but it's everybody else's fault. Like yes. it's a world and it's because it's an internal hostile world. If you have an internal world where you have peace and you have friendliness and you have joy, that is what you will see and experience from the outside world as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I, I love that what you said about the parenting, because I'm with you. So many times I'm like, well, I didn't feel guilty when I went to that conference. I didn't feel guilty. It doesn't mean I never experienced it. But the point is, is I, I'm kind of like, well, this is what I want to do too, you know? And so I often, when I hear people say that they have so much mom guilt, I am like, gosh, why are you guilty about everything? So I love it really where you want your energy, right? (laughs) And take your energy to where you actually want. Like like your kids are picking up on that. Yes. Yes. And they feel guilty about themselves. And yeah, it's a perpetuation. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. All of that was so good. I loved the examples you gave and sort of how you've walked through it and how you're helping people. So last question, and then you can share how people can find out about you and, you know, your services and your book online. Do you have any resources or things or that you recommend to people like a, just a starting point or a book that you love or anything else like that? You know, I'm, I'm actually going to take the non-traditional route here and say, stop trying to fix yourself. Stop reading, stop growing, stop moving forward and just sit in yourself because when you sit in yourself and you reflect on what you're running away from by reading all the books, doing all the things, taking all the strategies, and how many times as moms do we hear, you got to fill up your own cup first, but we don't actually know what that means. Nobody can tell you what filling your own cup is. We think it's the strategy. We think it's the hustle. We think it's the taking the bath, doing your nails and getting your hair done. And it's not, it's actually not. That is a result of filling up your cup, but that's not how you fill your cup. So my advice and my, my resource, if you will, is to stop, just to stop and sit and, and watch yourself sit in silence, and look at the uncomfortableness and the fear that comes up and just sit with that for as long as you need to, not necessarily in stillness, but if that takes a month or two, like you'll see what thoughts you're thinking because the most important thing in, in life is the thoughts that you're thinking. That is what guides everything. That's what guides the results that you're having in your life are your thoughts because your thoughts create the feelings that you have and your feelings create the actions that you take and your actions produce the results in your life. And everything circles back to the thoughts that you are thinking. And if you're not aware of those, no amount of hustling or reading or grinding or businesses or trying to get out of the mom guilt or trying to do this and striving, it's exhausting. It's very exhausting. And then you end up in a place where you're like, this is not what I wanted. I can't tell you how many times I talk to women who are like, uh, when I ask them, I ask them this question all the time. Where do you see yourself in a year from now? And the answer a hundred percent of the time, Kristen is sad. I'm just sad. Wow. Like then you have to stop the, the visual that I have that I just thought of is like, you're on this train that's moving hundred miles an hour to nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to crash. And you have to make that choice. Like, do I, it's like, which pain do I want? Do I want to jump off and get a broken leg, but now I can go live my life or yeah. do I want to crash on this train that's going hundred miles an hour? Right. You know, and it's got to pick which one you want. And the way that you do that is to just sit. Yeah. I recently did an interview. I, th- I think it came out last week, but it was with a pastor, Stephanie Lake, but she, we talk about how, yeah. We, you know, our society, same sort of thing. Unfortunately, it encourages us either to be productive or entertained. Yes. And so many times we fill ourselves in our days, in our family's days 
with productivity or entertainment. And we feel like if we're not being productive, then we Netflix and binge, right? Yeah. Uh, but we're then we're missing the slow times, the slowness, the quietness, you know, what you just alluded to. So I think that's fantastic. And I think if more of us did, you know, feel the feelings and we got quiet more regularly, just sat outside without the rate, you know, without whatever the stimulus is, you start yeah. to really understand what you're feeling and what, what, what are those emotions and things that maybe you need to address? Yeah. I'm going to run through real quick, a thought model. This is an actual exercise that you can do on your own where you don't have to have, you know, outside help or, or, you know, a coach or something to get through this. It's called a thought model. And a thought model is where you write down four or five thoughts that you're thinking about a certain situation, you know, like I'm I'm feeling stressed. Okay. What are the thoughts behind that? Right. So you write down the thoughts that you have, like, what if this never works out? I don't even know what I'm doing this for. Like those type of thoughts and your thoughts produce your feelings. So you go from a thought to a feeling and you can just write down feelings in a dash. And how does that make you feel? When you think those thoughts, how are you actually feeling? So somebody might be like, I just feel really frustrated. I feel really annoyed. Okay, great. Now we're aware of where the annoyance and the frustration is coming from. And so then you write down your actions. What action does that make you take? When you're thinking, I don't even know if I know what I'm doing. What's it all for? I feel frustrated and annoyed. What actions do you take? And actions can also be inactions, right? So an action might be, I go to the refrigerator again. I fill up my coffee cup again. I scroll social. I look at YouTube. I start researching. I read another book, right? But it's not that thing that you actually want. Anyway, and so then the actions produce your results. And so from that, really look at like, what are the results that I'm producing? You know, I'm producing a a stagnant marriage or mom guilt or, you know, whatever it is for you. And so that's one piece of the thought model. And now you're aware of that, right? But like, where do we go from there? Yeah. You you swap over to the other side. You start another thought model and you you think, uh, what would I like to think? I don't think that right now, I don't believe these things, but I would like to believe that there's more to life than this. Mm-hmm. I would like to believe that I know what I'm doing. I would like to believe that this is all for something, right? Or whatever the thoughts are for you. And I often tell people, a lot of times people can't actually access those thoughts, which is, you know, it's amazing because if you don't have those thoughts, you're not going to produce the results you want, right? right. You're not going to produce the result you want, which is, you know, writing a book or, you know, whatever. I'm just using that because it's familiar. You're not going to produce the result of writing a book if you're thinking, who do I think I am, right? <laughs> They're not in alignment. It's not going to happen. So you can start thinking, or if you can't think of thoughts, you can start with the feeling. You can just start with, how do I want to feel? I want to feel calm. Okay. If I was calm, what thoughts would I be thinking? Mm-hmm. I would be thinking that, you know, life shouldn't be this hard. Okay, great. Whatever the thoughts are, just, you know, three to five thoughts. And once you get the thoughts and the feelings of what you would like to experience, then you say, if I was thinking this, and if I was feeling this, what actions would I be taking or not taking, right? And then you write, you fill in the actions that you'd be taking in a particular area. And then what results am I going to produce? I'm going to go after that thing that I've always wanted to do. Okay. Don't worry about how, don't worry about when, just get down, just thought model. And what I find with my clients, especially is they're like, there's got to be more to work than this. Like, aren't I supposed to have a to-do list and an action item in it? No, no. We just primarily do thought models. That's where the transformation happens because you see what you're thinking and what you're not thinking. Wow. So I wanted to give that practical tip for anybody who's like, well, I don't really know what to do. Like I'm aware again, but what do I do? That's right. a place that you can start is just by doing thought models. Yeah, no, that's great. And yeah, exactly. Because it starts letting us see what are we actually Believing or thinking and feeling, and then what are what, my behavior how patterns? Start shifting yeah. it. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. it. Very good. Well, thank you for your time today and all of your knowledge and ideas and um, you know different techniques or tools we can use. Can you tell us how can we connect with you online if we want to learn more? Yeah, sure. I'm primarily active on Facebook. I wasn't active on social for a long, long time. I was against social media because I lived in that hostile universe where I was like, oh, social media is just horrible. But yeah. now in a friendly universe, I've uh, hopped on to social. So I'm primarily on Facebook. And I also have a website, neuropivot.com. And I'm in the process of creating a quiz, which I believe will be attached to neuropivot.com, where you can actually assess, uh, where you can you can find your belief systems through how your body is feeling. So if you have a bad back, or you have headaches all the time, or you have you know, your toes are always breaking or like, you know, your nose, nosebleeds, whatever, things like that. You can actually figure out through how your body, like it's called your body speaks to you or how how is your body speaking to you, something like that. 
So I don't have that ready just yet, but within the next month or so, I'll be able to, I'll have that available on my website. Um, so you can just assess really pretty easily in a short amount of time, like what your belief systems actually are. So you can start uh, working on changing those. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for being with us. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kristen. I I hope the conversation that I had with Andrea today helps you. I think a lot of us can probably relate to parts of her story and we can see ourselves in some of the examples that she gave. And I love that she tells us and gives us practical ways that we can try to step out of the negative thinking and maybe areas of our life that we need to work on. And I just wanted to share this quote with you that I think sort of hits home with today's episode. It is from the book Cultivate by Laura Casey. And she says, maybe you want to cultivate a healthy lifestyle or break unhealthy addictions. Maybe there's a specific relationship that needs nurturing. Perhaps you long to know that you are living a meaningful life, leaving a legacy or changing a family tree. Whether it's your kids, your career, your faith, your education or your finances, if you aren't cultivating it, then something else matters more to you. If it matters to you, you'll cultivate it. But here's the rub. It has to matter to you. Real change comes from deep below the surface where action is first ignited. If what you are longing for really matters to you, if that seed is implanted at your core, then you'll risk stepping into the mess and nurture instead of neglect. You'll stop doing things the way you've always done them and start breaking new ground. And that's it. I just want to remind us that we have to decide what is our current priority right now. And it doesn't mean we can't have several, but one has to be the top priority It might be that you're in a season of raising young children, or it might be you're in a season of a new marriage or a marriage where you're about to become empty nesters. And that's your top priority, right, is nurturing and growing that relationship or the caring for of those kids or your spouse. It might be that you're growing a business, but they can't all take equal priority no matter what we think they can do. So I would just encourage you, understand what it is you want right now and which one is your biggest priority and goal and make sure you're putting the time in to nurture it and feed it and water it and take care of it and cultivate it so that's it for day today i hope you have a i think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms and we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things join our facebook group called building a life you love where we will provide additional encouragement motivation. We will answer questions and we will just give you more resources and support along your journey to define life on your terms and go after your dreams and find work that lights you up. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.